Octopus circuses, eel lassos, water sprites. Aquaman's stories have been consistently fun and zany, with laugh-out-loud uses for fish and sci-fi elements to match. We settled in for another round of stories, ready for the fish lord's latest tales. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. We have done this almost a hundred times. <laughs> what What's the number now? Is Are we at... We're we at, um, let me, uh, 88. Two more okay. and then we're at 90. And we have something planned for episode 100. Um, we just have to start getting ready for that. It's It's going to be... A longer episode, obviously, because it's episode 100 and it has to be. Um, but I think it's going to be all summary and a little bit of discussion afterwards of an entire series that is more contemporary. That, because of where we'll probably be in comics, we'll be able to do that. Uh, and it will be less hard to follow because you'll have had 99 episodes of us... <laughs> talking about these characters and presumably that is the whole point of this podcast is you're able to go like oh yeah i could pick up a comic and know who these people are one would hope um speaking of i have identified something that when we go through the alphabet we're going to need to do a lot of we haven't been reading legion of superheroes Ooh, yeah that's uh the 3000 ad uh superboy stuff right yeah, that's Superboy. The Superboy Prime pulled into the future to hang out with the Legion of Superheroes. We've seen the Legion of Superheroes in Supergirl comics. If you want to hear us kind of talk about them, they are in all of our Supergirl episodes. Or if not, a couple of them. Um, yeah, when we get to the L's, I think we're going to have to do that. Because yeah. they were definitely in the 1950s forward. So we might have to do a, a power through of several episodes of Legion of Superheroes. Um because that's more Superman. It's mm -hmm. Superboy to talk about. And that Superboy is important in the history of DC Comics. Specifically that Superboy. Um, yeah. Superboy Prime is a thing. And we'll have to talk about that at some point. Later. There will be an event in which Superboy Prime is a problem. And we need to have context for him. So it's important. And also the Legion of Superheroes. Um, mm -hmm. They're getting a new book that's starting up um, soon. Uh, and they show up in multiple. Um, they were in Smallville for a while. Uh, several episodes for a couple seasons. They showed up. Um, I think they actually ended up being in Supergirl. I think Brainiac 5 is in the Supergirl television show. So it's, it, be, it will behoove us to cover that for someone somewhere is going to be like, who the hell are these people and why are they in the show? Here you go. Here's episodes on that. So before we do that, we're going to have to finish what we're talking about with Aquaman. Yes. Uh, we, yeah, these are, this is important. And my mermaid girlfriend is in this. So <laughs> I am excited. Uh, these are the issues from 1963 to 1964. Um, it's a lot of world's finest and Aquaman, um, with a Brave and the Bold thrown in there. Um, again, Aquaman is appearing in, I think, the most titles during his tenure as a character. He was in Adventure, Sensation, Detective, World's Finest, Aquaman, and now he's in Brave and the Bold, and Justice League. I think he's been in more books 
than Superman. Well, I'm not sure. Not, mm. Yeah, not publication-wise, but he's been in more titles. I think Superman, I've, I'm reasonably sure, will also be showing up in uh, Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen. Mm, so there there are true. those. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. You're and, not wrong. And, and the other side is, like, Brave and the Bold, I think, is a rotating cast of double team-ups at this point. So... That, however, is probably a bunch of other stuff. Although Superman might not be in them, come to think of it. Hmm. I think he's no. I think he starts in them. I think we ended okay. up doing Brave and the Bold for a bit. No, okay. we we did World's Finest. World's mm-hmm. Finest was was the Superman, Batman, and Robin team up. Um, but I'm saying I don't think he was ever in. He, he, I mean, he's appeared in Detective, but he's never been the headliner for a story in Detective. Is kind of what I mean. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, like there have okay. never been. Yeah. Yeah, not oh. being the center of the story and not being the plot-centric character in a different mag. And I think Aquaman has everybody beat. You might be correct on that score. Interesting, yeah. Which is Fair. super weird to think that, like, they're just pushing Aquaman around. All he needs to do is, like, hit mystery in space and sensation, and I think he's run the Grand Slam. It's especially weird because he simultaneously has a recurring slot in uh, World's Finest, and he also has the main his own title his own book That's, he's in justice yeah League. usually usually they've like rotated them out uh like at least it feels like in the past it's been that yeah. way when when they have a full once they title. get their own book yeah once they get their own book they stop appearing like green lantern isn't in, in, in mystery in space mm-hmm. which he should be by all accounts <laughs> like he was in sensation and then he was in green lantern and that was it now he's just in green lantern so it's very interesting to me that, that Aquaman is still getting play in other books despite having his own series. Again, I really want to know if there was a company-wide campaign to make Aquaman a thing. Because this seemed like all of this would show me like, wow, Aquaman's in every book. He's in every book. Every year he's in a new magazine. And I, it's, it's like Superman's always in action and World's Finest and Justice League. And in Superman, it's like, well, if I want to read an Aquaman comic, I can pick up World's Finest and Aquaman and Justice League. I'm really wondering how popular Aquaman was if he was very popular and the demand was high. So they um, stacked him in a lot of books or if he wasn't popular and they were trying to make people like him by putting him in a lot of books. I'm very I'm very curious to see what the, what the case of that is. But if you go into the into the DC network, yes, I'm plugging it. Um, and you watch the old Super Friends cartoons, the lineup is like Aquaman's on there. Like no GL. I don't think, I don't think Flash is in it. I think it's Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Aquaman. And and I think that's it. It's just such a weird cast. And I'm like really curious if Aquaman was like super popular and we just stopped thinking he was cool because he was goofy. And... Now he was the joke for 40 years, and now he's not, because he's Jason Momoa. At any rate, I'm sorry, Joanne, we've, we've been expositing for quite a while. We're going to jump into World's Finest, uh, number 130, December 1962. Aquaman is turned into a beast man, question mark. Kind of looks like Wolverine, a little bit, without the mask on. Um, he gets turned into a beast man due to some strange chemicals that him and Aqualad have been ferrying through the ocean, and uh, Aqualad has to return him to normal. 
Um, while he's a beast man, he has the abilities to control land animals as though he would control them in water with the water animals. Um, and then when he returns to his regular state, he is Aquaman once again. It's kind of uh, it doesn't really go anywhere issue. It doesn't have any major effect. It's, it's a Superman. It's a Superman <laughs> issue. You know, like Superman's really smart now or that one Adam Strange issue where he was like really smart and then like it didn't actually have an effect on anything. He was just smart for a day and now he's not. Um, the Aquaman one where... was a beast man for a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very much a Friends episode of like the one where, where Aquaman turned into a beast man. And or it's not it's a always very... sunny. And it's not a very special episode of. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, no, that's that's snowbirds don't fly. Um, <laughs> that's where God, my brain goes. Wait. It's like, oh, that that is like the ultimate very special episode because it actually it is, does yeah. have an, a lingering effect too. Yeah. So I'm, God, I'm excited to actually get there. Like, oh, uh, if they use like the '90s structure of a very special episode guest starring blank, what band from the '60s would be like? brought in for the PSA portion of Snowbirds Don't Ooh. Fly. All the ones I want to say are ones that should not be talked to because they do a lot of drugs. <laughs> but that's like maybe oh, that's Oh no. Steve Miller. The Steve Miller band. That would be good. <laughs> maybe not Tom Petty. Springsteen would be good. <laughs> working class. Um Speedy's a working class kid. It's about it's about the ghetto kind of Earth Wind and Fire. I guess when was uh, Snowbirds Don't Fly? It's got to be mid to late sixties because Ollie was uh, was Robin Hood, Green Arrow. Snow... So it's at least it's it's at least past sixty four. Uh, Nineteen seventy one. Oh yeah, so we hit the seventies there at that point. Then yeah, you could do whoever you wanted. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is all you know. <laughs> Snowbirds aside, um, <laughs> just get, get Ozzy in get there. there. Fuck yeah, that'll that'll be great. That'll send the right message to kids. Uh, bites off the head of a bat and says, "Don't do drugs, kids." And it's like, "Wow, yeah, that's an endorsement if I've ever seen one." Um, oh, Ozzy, Aquaman number seven, February nineteen sixty-three. An uh, ancient Atlantean sea beasts are uh, sicked upon Atlantis to kind of cause a diversion with the return of Pamoxis. Remember that guy that none of us could talk about correctly in the last episode? Um, Pamoxis essentially tries to make a coup uh, using these beasts, and Aquaman, Aquaman and Aqualad must stop them uh, with his gang. And uh, we see some more Atlanteans. That's neat. There seems to be a lot more returning to Atlantis this year. I made a point of pointing of saying that last episode, that they didn't go to Atlantis at all. Um, and this year they go quite a few times. Um I want to say at least three, three or four. Um, also, Aquaman keeps referring to it as his ancestral home. And it's like, you never lived there, Arthur. You grew up at a lighthouse. Like, <laughs> there's, like, even a, there's even a point where Aqualad, like, lampshades isn't quite the right word, but pretty much just kind of hand waves it away. Just like, I grew up and like, I, at one point I was exiled, but now I go back all the time and it's yeah. to comfort someone else about their being away from their home. But it's like, yeah, you know, it's missing from this, like this little exchange, an explanation of why you're now able to go back. The answer is editorial yeah. fiat. Well, no, 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 it was never that he couldn't go back. Originally it was just like, Oh, I'm not afraid of fish anymore. They'll accept me. Oh yeah, he chooses not to go back to a family that presumably loves him. 
there's there is a fa- Garfield or Garth has a family somewhere in Atlantis that he just we don't see and we never talk about that had to have birthed him and raised him up until this point and were concerned about his fear of fish and exiled him and now that he's not afraid of fish and in fact is probably way more comfortable around fish than he is other people despite having gone to school a couple times we're just saying off screen he goes back to atlantis all the time we don't ever see it though so we don't know what his relationship is with his parents where he like shows up like hey that was fucked up that you like kicked me out of the house because i was afraid of fish all i needed was you to like give a shit and be parents and try and like help me acclimate to fish instead of sending me to live with the water hobo who lives outside a city and wobo and yeah the wobo instead of having me hang out with him who apparently everyone's cool with and now i i can control fish so fuck you dad and mom i'm gonna go to whatever the equivalent of a soda shop is in atlantis if we're led to believe wonder woman comics there's a bunch of mermaid kids over there and they've got sea kelp smoothies fuck you and go away i want i want that whole comic i want to see that happen i want to see garth like confront his parents being like that was messed up what you did and now i'm 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 hanging out with the with with aquaman and he's my real dad and aquaman's like what (laughs) no (laughs) that's not that's not what's going on um I just want to see Aquaman, like, Arthur get, like, really weird about it. And be like, whoa, okay, wait, maybe chill it on the real dad bit there. Uh, we're buddies. You're my young man gentleman friend at best. Oh, the callbacks. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm on a roll with him. It's great. Um, World's Finest, number 131, February 1963. A scientist with a machine that can waterbend yep uh causes havoc i mean and when i say water bend i mean he can like make constructs out of water much like green lantern can and make hard water that moves and which is just ice it's just ice but apparently it's not frozen water so it's water that's very stiff i don't know it's comics we're getting to this point of comics where it's like eh, fuck it uh, hard water it's, it's it's hard as concrete and steel that's not how water works so we're 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 getting we're coming up on this point, folks. We're we're finally getting to the point where we can start going. Eh, it's comics. Uh, it only took thirty three years. Flash really tries to explain its science. Yeah. Aquaman is like ah water shit, and so it's like okay. Uh, Aquaman number eight, March April nineteen sixty three. Aliens from another world come to Earth to take our water while they work on a solution to repopulate their planet with water. Um, essentially they're pulled out of orbit and the sun that they orbit dries up all the water on their planet and they eventually push their planet back into orbit but they have no water anymore so they go to earth to steal our water while as a surrogate until they figure out a way to replenish their own planet's water it's a very flimsy plan um one of the aliens is not on board with this and helps aquaman stop his his compatriots from doing this and they go attempt to fix it by getting water from i guess like a different planet one that won't need it i I don't know it's kind of it goes very roundabout the end result is called like oceanius right yeah they go to oceana which is pretty sure that was a level in sonic um (laughs) they they have a problem on this planet they crash land it's kind of very oregon trail they get off the planet and while they're going back to 
the alien's homeworld, a leak springs in the ship and the water inside the ship gets out. And this was actually really cool. The giant mountain range of frozen water that was coming behind the ship because water expands in space when it freezes and grows, I guess. I don't know if that's true. I'm not a space science person. I just assumed it would turn into giant, uh, not giant, but like little crystals of water as it spurted out of, I, I don't know. I it, it was cool though. It's a cool looking page. And as that water falls onto the barren dry planet and burns up in the atmosphere, it turns into rain and that fills the planet's water again. I was like, you had one ship do that? What were you guys trying to steal water from Earth? Jesus, you just put one of your ships out in space and poke a hole in its water reservoir and you'd be fine. I don't know why we had this whole roundabout solution when you guys had the I don't know. It was it was very like, why did we go through all this? <laughs> like it really did ring like that that was the that was what you could do? Why didn't you do that in the first place? World's finest number one thirty two, March nineteen sixty three. A spirit in a helmet of a sorcerer guy um is inhabiting Topo's body because Topo finds this like man in the iron mask helmet and puts it on him because he's a lovable scamp and then once he does that the guy who inhabits the helmet is like finally a body and is causing all sorts of mayhem with Topo the octopus and then he's like Aquaman it would probably be cooler if I had a body instead of an octopus and so tries to get Aquaman to put the helmet on and then Aqualad commands Topo with telepathy to like just chuck it and then he throws the helmet into a clam, and then the clam crushes it, and then that's the end of it. Um, Aqualad frog again, you sim. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, that's a yeah. He does the frog Ginyu thing from the Ginyu Force. That's actually a really good callback. Um, Aquaman number nine, June nineteen sixty three. While searching for Neptune's kingdom with their friend Captain Crane, who we just now know that they have a friend named Captain Crane who lives in a boat that is on land and he is converted to a house, which is always super cool. I love it when people do that, when they turn boats into houses. Instead of like a houseboat, it's like an actual like freighter that has been beached on this mountain and he just converted it into a home and I think that's really cool. Um, Captain Crane is on the search to find Neptune's kingdom, which Aquaman's like, that's bullshit, but whatever, you're my buddy, I'll help you find it. They find some sort of gateway to a kingdom and when it opens, Captain Crane disappears, and Neptune appears, and Neptune begins to co- get in fights with Aquaman and Aqualad, going like, I have to empty the seas, there's a great calamity that's about to occur, and Aquaman's like, bro, you can't just tell people to get out of the water, you have no control over this, and, a- and Neptune's like, the fuck I don't, and fighting ensues, and Aquaman realizes that Neptune is actually Captain Crane, possessed by the spirit of a sorcerer named Neptune, and convinces neptune to just do what he thinks he needs to do to save the world and he does which is stop like a giant thing like a giant catastrophe with water and then when he's done he's like cool that was all i ever wanted to do too bad i didn't communicate that with anybody peace out and then neptune disappears and he's captain crane again and it was like that was much ado about nothing if there ever was again why didn't we do this in the first place why doesn't anyone talk to each other um they even lampshade it because I think the last panel is like, would you believe it if if someone had left a message like that? Yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, Aquaman, you were there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why Neptune wasn't like, hey, I know this is weird, but also like, I'm your buddy, but I've possessed him and I need to stop something from happening. It's cool. Just believe me. Like, 
I feel like everything would have been fine had Neptune just been straight with everybody. Um, World's Finest, number 133, May 1963. Uh, Aquaman helps an Atlantean girl make an Atlantean man jealous while Aqualad recovers from an injury. Uh, essentially, Aqualad is in Atlantis chilling in hospice, and he's like, I need a sidekick, and this chick is like, I'll help you out. And he goes, perfect. They go and do some adventures, and Aqualad starts to get really jealous, and he's like, I gotta see what's going on here. And he thinks that Aquaman is forgetting him, and then he realizes that this other guy is also watching them, and he goes like, hey man, this is kind of creepy, right? And he goes, yeah, it's weird how we're stalking these two people. Um, uh, I just want to make sure that she's okay, because, you know, she's not really a fighter, and I don't think Aquaman really cares about her, and he goes, oh, that's weird. And then he confronts Aquaman about it, and Aquaman's like, yeah, we're just trying to make that guy jealous, because he had been slow-footed to tell this girl how he feels. And I was like, this is the worst dating show ever. Um, because you guys got real physical violence and danger of just to get some guy to notice this girl, and that's probably not how this relationship should work. But they both get invited to the wedding, and it's cute. And uh, it's the second story we see in Atlantis, which is neat. Aquaman number 10, August 1963. The water sprites are back. Um, Quisp oh, has been showing not, up every now and then to help. Quisp? I like it when he has like a very when I like it when Quisp is the guy when Aquaman says I know a guy yes I agree with that I I dig that like when Aquaman's like I know somebody who can help and they call Quisp and he's like cool I'm a water mage sprite thing what do you need and I'm like that's fine that that is as much as I like Quisp to show up as he's just as goofy as Tobo but he's more helpful and because of his magic abilities, he has an extra added level of um, utility for the team. And I enjoy that. Quisp and water sprite-centric stories are just dumb. Because mm. it further highlights the fact that they are so much more powerful than everyone yeah. else. And I'm like, why aren't you the biggest threat in this book? And I will explain that now in Aquaman number 10... Quirk is back, the bad water sprite that Quisp and Quink had to track down on Earth. I can't believe these are words that I'm saying. I hate it <laughs> so much. Um, Qu Quirk is back, and he has a whole gang now. Thank God none of them get named. And they have managed to grow giant. And in doing so, it also increases their powers. And they make a kind of kingdom out of this barren island. And they are stealing and pirating ships as they cross. And Aquaman, Quisp, and Aqualad have to stop them. And then eventually they figure out how the sprites get giant. And they make an entire army of good sprites giant. And they fight the bad I, I was like, this is like a... This is a near Justice League level catastrophe. Someone call somebody. Like... Aquaman, you shouldn't be dealing with this alone. I understand that you have multiple sprites with you, and they're all magic people, but also they're all magic people, and clearly they could cause typhoons, and this is a problem, and we need to deal with this. But no one called me in 1963 to help them write this. So, here we are. Uh, they win. Yeah, obviously, the, the comic goes on. Uh, World's Finest, number 135, August 1963. Men from a parallel universe utilizing stolen tech that looks like headbands that turn them into weird goblin men um, come to our world to do stuff capital S stuff question mark um, attack us and Aquaman and Aqualad stop them because that's what this book is about that's what world finest is it's, just, I, I, it's, a, it's a really dumb story it was, it was quick it's a quick read 
And really, what's more important is Aquaman number 11, October 1963. Mara! It's Mara. Mara is the greatest. Everybody should love Mara. She's the coolest character. This isn't her best incarnation, but it's fun to see her first appearance. Mara is the queen of a different dimension's water kingdom. And she has come to our dimension to seek aid because uh, Laron, L-E-R-O-N, um, is has usurped her once her father died and has taken her chief scientist Jebel or Zebel hostage. I'm going to talk about that in a second. I'm actually going to talk about that in the wrap up because that's kind of a thing that I need to, that I need to talk about. Um, so she gets Aquaman and Aqualad to help her free Zebel, Jebel, Jebel, whatever, however you want to pronounce that. It's X-E-B-E-L. It's not a real name. Uh, say it however you want. I think in the Aquaman movie, they pronounced it Zebel. So I guess that is the correct pronunciation to Zebel. Um, and of course they defeat Laron, who has some kind of like water bendy, almost like quisp powers, which I thought was really neat. That's like kind of the most powerful guy that Aquaman's ever faced. He has to kind of outsmart him and they win. And Mara really digs Aquaman. And she's like, maybe we'll see each other again sometime, sailor. And he's like, yeah, you're pretty cute. And then she goes back into her dimension. And that's all we see of Mara this year. But that's the that's really important because Mara is a thing forever now in comics. So Mara's appearance is a big deal. Um, Aquaman number 12, December, November 1963. Uh, these are two stories. This is the first time we've ever seen two stories in a single Aquaman issue. Um, they've never done this before and they have yet to do it again from what we've seen. But we could be wrong. Um, a bad guy uses stolen technology to turn land beasts into sea creatures as distractions for his pirating. I thought the altered beast versions of all the land animals as sea animals was really cool. I thought those were neat. Um, like, the lion had this, like, really cool, like, fin mane. It was neat. Like, it, it's a weird story, but it, it's got some cool designs, some cool reimaginings of creatures. The second story is Aquaman and Aqualad are abducted to a gladiator world. <laughs> this could have been its whole its own issue on its own this was actually really cool um and uh they lead an uprising with a bunch of different water type warriors um and they stop the weird gladiator fights from abducting people on different planets and they free all the people who were gladiators and everybody's happy and then they returned home um i would have read an entire comic about that that was cool it definitely needed more time to breathe uh having yeah. it be that short did not give it enough space to explore the the other characters because these other champions are supposed to be like a roughly equivalent power level and it's like yeah this these are cool like show us more of this but okay I guess not that was yeah that was at least a two parter but mm-hmm. oh well world's finest number one thirty seven November nineteen sixty three. Aquaman loses his powers after a gas blast from an urn hits him and he has no powers, um, but he gets them back after he and he saves the day. Um, Brave and the Bold, number 51, December, January, 1963, 1964. Happy New Year. Aquaman, Aqualad, Hawkman, and Hawkwoman, all in the same book. Um, Tyros, the exiled Atlantean who is now a fearsome frog griffin thing he's a weird he's a weird dragon monster i don't know he looks like a big frog with with lion or not lion wings with like bird wings he's a big thing um 
Tyros has begun his conquest of Atlantis now that he has the power that he needs and his also domination of the air and runs afoul of both Aquaman and Aqualad and Hawkman and Hawkwoman. In his fight against Hawkman and Hawkwoman, he turns Hawkwoman into a harpy creature and he banishes um, Aquaman and Aqualad from Atlantis because he does in fact actually begin to rule it because he's able to make all the sea creatures aggressive and Aquaman can't stop them with his telepathy. So the three, Aquaman, Aqualad, and Hawkman, team up to save Hawkwoman, which I thought was really cool that it was an integral part of their plan, saving her and stopping her from being under Tyros's control uh, because she was a formidable creature for them to face. It wasn't like she was a damsel in distress. It was like Hawkman's wife was now a monster, and they had to non-lethally defeat her so that she could be returned to normal. Um and it was a problem because Hawkwoman is a really good fighter. And they were like, this is a problem. Like, my wife is, is no slouch. Um, they free her. They get the land, the land air beast control device away from Tyros. And then they assault Atlantis. And they beat him. And they destroy the gem that gave him his power. And in doing so, it turns Tyros back to normal. And it turns Hawkwoman back to normal. And then everybody's fine and they lock up Tyros. Um, that is the end of our coverage for today. Um, the thing I was going to talk about with Jebel, Jebel, Zebel, whatever you want to call it. In this issue, that is a specific person. It is a scientist that Mara knows. In contemporary comics, Jebel is where she's from. It is the kingdom of Jebel, or Zebel. And she is a princess, and her father is the king. Um, which is kind of what they show in this. Um, when her father dies, she becomes queen. Um, that's just a weird distinction I noticed. It was like, you know, Zebel was a person and not a place. I don't know when that's going to change. Um, I know currently it's a big deal, or it was when I was last reading Aquaman, that Mera was from Zebel. And he was from Atlantis. And they were like, Ugh, she's like lowborn or like, they're weird over there. It was it was very much a like, you know, north versus south kind of a thing. It was it's it's an interesting point of contention between their culture and their love. Which I always found kind of cool in uh, the Dan Abnett Aquaman. Um, we're going to see Mara become a thing much later. There's hints at her being a sea witch. Because she, like, they think that she's commanding the water or commanding creatures. And they're like, oh, no, it's a, uh, it's scary. Mara will eventually be a sea witch or a aquakinetic or a sorceress or whatever you want to call it. Sorceress is just good people, witch. Like, let's be <laughs> real. They're the same thing. You know, witch, witches has a, witches have a denomination attributed to their morality based off of witch hunts when like witches could be good there's nothing that says that witches can't be good i don't know why we have like i don't know that's a whole different conversation but eventually mara becomes a sea witch sea sorceress as part of her character so we see little hints of that and this is again we've only seen one issue that she's in so far but i'm excited to see more of that because aquaman has not had a love interest since he started and this has been a few years now so it's interesting that he's going to be getting his love interest now because maybe they were like, why aren't people reading this? What's missing? It's a chick. 
Obviously, he needs a mermaid girlfriend, said Julie Schwartz. Uh, except this one's a witch. Oh, that's cooler and sexier. And you're like, uh, you know what, Julie Schwartz? You're not wrong. Um, your dimensional mermaid witch. Not a whole lot to, to you know, balk at there. Um, anyway, uh, that is the end of our coverage. Not a whole lot happens with Aquaman. We did touch on the fact that Aqualad, ret- Aqualad returning to Atlantis was a weird bit of contention. Um, Aquaman mentioning that he's from Atlantis is like really fun. It's like a guy who grew up in the U.S. going to the U.K. and pretending like he's been there forever. It's like just because you have British or Irish or Scotch blood in you doesn't mean like, ah, oh, yes, my people. It's like this is where you're from, man. Like you didn't grow up here. Don't pretend like you, you're this is your ancestral home. It's like, yeah, it is. But like also reel it in. He's Mike Pence. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't mm, don't pretend. Um, there's nothing wrong with growing up in a lighthouse with your father, Arthur. Your father was a very good man and treated you very nicely. Does being of the lighthouse culture give him a plus two dex instead of plus two strength? Yeah, obviously. He's got perception abilities and fog. His, <laughs> his preferred his preferred terrain is, is foggy weather. And yeah, he's got low light vision, like you said. So Holy um, crap, he is a he is a ranger. Why didn't I ever yeah. think of that? Huh. Yeah. He can communicate with animals. He has an animal familiar. Yeah. He's fast. Um, a good fighter. He's not he's not specced for range or ranged combat, but he's specced for melee. Aquaman's a ranger. I prefer to think of it as that he is specced for range, but Every time that he does damage with a ranged base attack, it's instead like flavored with what kind of animal he's doing it with. Uh yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I dig it. Um, so yeah, those are the 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 expositiony type things that I wanted to cover based off of our summary. Um, do you have notes? I've got some, uh, not as many as I usually do, but I got a few. Well, we've covered quite a bit in the last episode, so this isn't much different than what we talked about last time. Yeah, and that's. That's going to be a lot of it, is there are a lot of trends sort of carrying through. One trend that was a little bit new, and I don't think it ever quite got to be a full trend, but it did happen a couple times. Uh, It seems like the uh, World's Finest stories had a little less of the jollies, a little bit more grounded, a little... It didn't frame the encounters and the scenarios and the ways that Aquaman and Aqualad triumphed over them in as joyful or quirky ways. It was partly because the things that Aquaman was using weren't as often interesting and animal-focused, and partly it's just the way it's framed. Like, there's a bit in one of the World's Finest Stories where Aquaman beats the water by using a flamethrower and it's yeah the water bending sorcerer the water bending scientist yeah he uses a straight up flamethrower yeah and it's like what what i would have expected is like oh electric eels generating heat or something or like it destabilizes the water magic uh and instead it's just a flamethrower and it's not the thing that ultimately resolves the entire conflict uh there's still other stuff going on uh there's a point where a giant manta lifts out of the water and the people are uh, disrupted but like 
the thing that gets an equal share of the screen time is just here's some not even super tech here's some fairly advanced tech and aquaman uses it and it's done and no that's not that's not it um there are other things that also felt off about uh world's finest stories that made me wonder if 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 it was different people or a different edit set of editors uh like topo is drawn differently uh in Mm. the uh in the fish in the iron mask uh issue he is just like a light purple like a, a lavender uh and it's not he's not as dark in tone as he usually is and he's not he's not as cartoony uh which is somewhat just because he's got the mask on but he also isn't as shadowed like the version of topo that appears in the fish in the iron mask story in the world's finest is just that flat lavender and for comparison in the issue where topo is from that we covered uh, in the last episode the issue where topo is trying to like be the star of the circus he is mm-hmm. drawn so shadowed uh like he's just got texture everywhere like uh maybe a third of his head is that lavender the rest is like the shadow uh being cast by the peak of his head it's like and that's just kind of across the board like topo is a very textured character and here he is just drawn as like a textureless blob yeah and i did notice a bit of a change stylistically and is there a noticeable difference in the artists per issues in world finest compared to Aquaman issues specifically, or is it just that I like what you're saying? There is an editorial fiat difference. Um, Cause I would believe having two different artists would cause that issue. I would be surprised if the editor was like, no change him this time and then change him that time. Cause I don't know who was editing world's finest and then who was editing Aquaman. I don't know if that was a separate situation. Let me see. I should have a. Uh, I should have the knowledge before me as I have the book, to my left. Um, the artist for World's Finest seems to be Ramona Fraden, and it's okay. Yeah, World's Finest are Ramona Fraden, so I think this is one of the first women's uh, woman artists we've seen uh, outside of a couple others. So that's kind of cool. Good for you, Ramona. She was drawing World's Finest. Nick Cardi was doing the Aquaman issues. So. Yeah, there was there was a different artist for Aquaman versus World's Finest. Hmm. Fair enough. I didn't catch so that. So Ramona Ramona's take on Topo and other stuff just may have been different. Fair enough. Huh. But it's interesting that it was that noticeable for you because I'm reading them in black and white, and I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an octopus, um, <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, this is how he looks. But to you, there was a noticeable change, and that's that's very interesting. I wonder how that affected the reading. Yeah, it's definitely like one of those that only stands out in color. The other one of the other things that stands out about the world's finest, like sort of feeling tonally off from the Aquaman stories is that there's also the story where Aqualad is shunted off to the side while he's recovering from a thing and it's Aquaman and the 
aqua woman. I don't remember what term they were giving her. Uh, yeah. And we've just seen those stories so many times in like action comics in in world's finest that the specifically the uh batman comics or portions of it it's so generically kid's sidekick is worried that he's being replaced and the adult in the room is doing a real terrible job about being emotionally sensitive it's just yeah, that is that is a good way of framing it. Yeah, both Aquaman and Superman are are not being emotionally sensitive to their sidekick. That story especially just rankled with me because the other side of it is the one of the things I really hate about these is that there's no emotional progression made. Like these are stories that are fundamentally usually about the adult in the room not being able to either a be thoughtful about how they're impacting the the kid who depends on them or b the adult not being able to communicate like hey don't worry you're not being replaced I, you're still important to me uh and the fact that there's this such a clear like moral to the story and a clear thing that these characters would need to work on, but there's no chance of them progressing because this is an era where continuity is new things being added to the world or a side character developing a little bit or a supervillain changing for their next appearance instead of like character growth for the protagonist. So the fact that we have these things that are so clearly and this is the moral of the story and the character's never going to learn from that just rankles me yeah it's it's the start of we can see why dick would be uh, problematic or, or moody when dealing with batman and leave because clearly bruce is not emotionally capable of being a father figure to a small child who is dealing with trauma yeah because obviously because he does shit like that. Um, that's not where they're going with it right now. But if, you know, you take into account the holistic way that Bruce Wayne has always treated Dick Grayson since the 60s. Yeah, you can see Dick Grayson being fed up with Bruce being a bad mentor. Let alone the issues we've seen with him, like, really being taken with Catwoman. And Dick is like, dude, come on. Like, criminal. And you know, seeing this man that he's supposed to look up to be emotionally unstable. Yep. Um, it's funny to see those kernels. It's just like with um, Sinestro, how we were saying that, where we could see how he was being set up to be this really intelligent villain um, with his the stories that he was in. Um, we can see a writer down the line in the 80s taking all of these comics that he read when he was a kid in the 60s and going like, yeah, but like, what if... What if we actually talked about that? Yep. And I hope that's kind of where that's born out of is someone who enjoys the character who has been reading Batman for, you know, some 20 odd years. And then realizing like, we've never talked about how bad Bruce t treats Dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, there's an instance where hammerhead sharks are just swinging away with their heads and like, it's supposed to be wrecking a boat. And I just want to point out, they're hitting them with their eyes. Yeah. That's not 
No. That is 100% insane forever. I know we call them hammerhead sharks, but no. Bad. But those are eye stalks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are not They are not flat surfaces with which to hammer. One thing I do want to call out as well, um, I think this is another instance of a different artist, but the Brave and the Bold uh, story is it's paneled differently uh most notably there's just more shots of close-ups of aquaman and aqualad like the one i'm looking at in particular it's we actually have like one of those like close camera shots and we have not seen that in any of the rest of this it's not even like dwelling on them for like an up-close reaction it's always at a little bit of remove it looks like the camera's maybe seven feet away from aquaman at any given time and here it's now we're gonna stick this in your face and really like you can look worried yeah that was a fun issue of of brave and the bold i enjoyed that story that team up it got there eventually for me um yeah it was a slow burn but yeah (laughs) it was it was good and a couple times we see things where like there's a dream sequence portion of it and it winds up not having ever been real or in this case it's uh poseidon wasn't an evil magician after all he was just getting everybody out of the way uh there are times where it's got that kind of twist and it could be unpleasant in this case because yeah like it turns out the guy the wizard that was chasing people off the waterways had a good reason and ultimately i didn't mind because then uh aquaman still had a challenge to resolve like if i'm remembering correctly it was something to the effect of uh, it was it was preventing them from shelling neptune like it was preventing the navy from trying to kill him yeah that's what it was uh and he was like that's still my friend like please don't and I, and again that was a cool issue as well it had interesting stakes it was just kind of a weird why isn't anyone talking to anybody moment yeah and i've seen the rock too many times not to be okay with the climax of a film being desperately trying to get word out of don't shell us please yeah which was done well with the backs of whales coated in squid ink yeah but it was funny <laughs> and that there we get back to that that joy and gleeful ways of resolving problems uh which honestly like we've talked about this before but like the way i read these is one one title at a time uh so i went through all the world's finest stuff and so i had this like glut of well dramatic uh not so gleeful and then all right now we're into aquaman (gasps) joy 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 yeah there's a different there's a definite love of the gimmick mm-hmm. in the Aquaman title. You know what else there's a definite love of? Mm-hmm. The phrase wheat. Not I guess not in the Aquaman issues, but in Brave and the Bold, the fact that Hawkman his battle cry is apparently wheat. Or yeah. at least wheat. the thing the thing yeah. that he says that other people like or uh Hawk Girl will listen to. Yeah. Yeah, it's W H E E E T. It's apparently a bird whistle, but it, it is written as wheat. 
Yeah, like looking through my notes as I'm reading the first couple issues of Aquaman is just, I am all about this. I am here for this BS. This is, this makes me happy. There's a bit where someone is draining a lake. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Is he has to go respond to a lake getting drained and it just works. Yeah. The th- it, it, side note. It's like a giant um, clear straw. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's a giant invisible straw. And the only way they find out that that's what's going on is he takes a big old log and smacks the stream with it. And it turns out that there's like glass. It it made me so happy. Uh, There's a bit where they strap a bunch of spears to fish and they like the fish poke away through a, a wall it just it made me so happy. This is I have written down. This is so gloriously dumb. I love it. This is <laughs> when we talk about how one of the inherent strengths of Aquaman versus uh, Martian Manhunter is just that fish are cooler than random powers. This is why. It's just dumb, and I love it. And there's a hard water roller coaster, and I loved it. Yep. The the sprites make a roller coaster out of water. And I think that about does it. Uh, the only last thing I'll say is I love that we still keep getting stories with Topo. I just wish that the one story with Topo we really got this time was not Topo being evil. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have one. Everybody, Everybody's evil at least once in comics. Everyone has a Sith issue? Yeah, everyone's got a goatee at some point. All right. So, do you like? Would you like to go to recommendations? Yeah, I think we're at about that point. So, my recommendation, I'm gonna do this uh, similar thing to what I did. I think like a month and a half ago, and recommend something now that I've finished it. Uh, hmm. So, friends at the table finished their sixth, uh, fifth season recently. Uh, it was the third season covering their Hyron story arc. So that's actually finished. They are done with that campaign setting and those characters. Uh, oh, and cool. it ended very satisfyingly. It's partly all it, it's helped along by the fact that the entire season is to some degree a goodbye. Uh, so it didn't the actual finale and then the epilogue didn't necessarily need to carry all of the finality in them, but there are some moments there that were a absolutely hilarious. And then, and then moments that were utterly tragic and entirely fit with the characters and the way things had been going. And, and then consequences arise that are just entirely correct and believable. I love it. I, I initially got into Friends of the Table for their other strain of uh, of seasons, uh, the ones that are more mech and super, like super tech and deep future focused. But I am I am sad to be saying goodbye to those characters, and I very much <laughs> recommend it. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's a good ending. Those yeah. shows sometimes have. It's hard to land it a is. show like that, and it's it's always nice when you know, like Critical Role season one ended really well, and yeah. it sounds like Friends of the Table is doing good, so that's good. Um, I'm gonna do a selfish plug mm-hmm. uh, and be like John Lovitz from the Critic, and just be like, buy my book. 
Uh, that's one of my favorite gifts is the standee of his character from the critic holding a book and it just says buy my book <laughs> i love that uh, i'm like yeah that's exactly what it feels like when you're sh- shilling your own stuff um i wrote a collection of short stories it is called the ones who remain and it is on the kindle store right now uh, i'm working on making a cover with a graphic designer um, that wraps around for the paperback as we speak and um i'm sure if you follow me on any of the vast social medias um i you will find out when it when it goes live um but it's uh six short stories that all tie into each other um i can actually i could read you the summary if uh you you're not going anywhere you're listening to the podcast what are you doing with your life um <laughs> this is what this is you, you you put this on to hear us talk come on you, you got nowhere else to be um so the summary that my editor helped me come up with because I'm so bad at it. It's hard to come up with a summary of something where you don't want to like give away too much information. Like how to elevator pitch something without being like, this is exactly what's inside here. And uh, I, I had to poke my editor and be like, you know what this is about. Can you help me? She's like, yes, of course. Here we go. The description, the back of the book description. As members of the agency, Dennis and Kelly have specific goals. Listen to the perpetrator's story, identify the problem, begin rehabilitation, and sometimes recommend incarceration. But what if the criminals can't be locked up? The Ones Who Remain is a collection of short stories that explores what happens when long-forgotten grievances create real-life problems. So that's the book I wrote. Uh, Yeah, I had a lot of fun. This was actually a NaNoWriMo challenge. I forgot about that fucking four or five years ago now that i was just like you know what screw it i'm gonna finish it and i did um thank you reyna you you're a fantastic editor i felt really comfortable working with somebody who was editing my work and she was very good about poking me at the right times and in the right locations to just be like more of this you don't need to do that more of this um get you an editor um you're never as good as you think you are i regret not having an editor for veritas oh boy do i regret it um because i marvel method a lot when i write that comic <laughs> uh thank you Lindsay. you did a fantastic job on the cover um i also thank reyna Lindsay, and the two uh people who provided photos on the website that we used to look for images to make the cover um they have thank yous all inside the book as well um go read my book it's cheap it's three bucks it's three dollars on amazon um you too can write a book and have other people read it and put it on amazon very quickly um it was a lot smoother than i thought it was going to be um and the the process was pretty quick and painless the hardest part was actually um formatting it for the kindle file so if you're at all curious about that there's tons and tons and tons of walkthroughs and what have you on Amazon's websites about how to publish with them, and it's really easy. Um, so if you ever thought like, ah, oh, I want to write a book, I don't know how to get it published, you can publish it, and you can get the money, and there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Unless you really want to go like to Penguin or somebody and have them publish it, you can. You just have to deal with people deciding whether or not they want to. You don't have to deal with that if you self-publish. So there's nothing wrong with self-publishing because if you want to show somebody your work, you can do it. On the other side of that as well, 
Uh, I mentioned Veritas. We finished issue six this month. So volume one of my comic, all six issues, all 150 pages of Veritas are online for free for you to read at veritascomic.com. There's a cliffhanger at the end of issue six. I was lettering issue seven today and I was enjoying it. And then issue eight is written. Um, I'm going to start writing issue nine soon. Um, Davis is finishing up what he's working on and then he's going to come back onto the project. Uh, yeah, I have, I have things for you to read. I don't just talk about comics. I both make them and I write books. Um, I, I'm, I'm so tired all the time. Um, it's just so tiring doing all of this. Uh, I'm so tired. I have two jobs, basically. It's, it's a thing. And I do book reports for fun with my best friend. So this is a thing. This is how I live my life. Um, if you want to buy my book, it is The Ones Who Remain. You can search my name as well, probably John Salito, S-O-L-L-I-T-T-O. Uh, search me, search The Ones Who Remain. You'll find it on the store. There's literally only two books that come up if you put The Ones Who Remain, and I am the other book. It's very obvious which one is mine. Uh, the other one is something else. Um, that other book looks interesting. Check that book out too, I guess. Uh, read read books. Uh, knowledge is power. Um, and then you can find my comic at veritascomic.com or on Tapas and Webtoon uh, at Veritas Comic. Um, if you go to Tapas and Webtoon, you're only getting the first five pages of every comic after issue one because I want to I want to push you to my site because I want the traffic. Uh, and that's a little reverse psychology. It's a little inside baseball and how to publish a comic is forcing people to have to go to your other site. Um, that'll do it, though, for our recommendations and for this episode. Next is the challengers of the unknown. We're going to get we're going to go see Rex, Red, Doc and Ace again and uh, June and see how they're doing and see what's going to go on in their lives. And then we'll uh the little elongated man and then uh flash so we've got some good stuff coming up soon get ready um again episode 100 we see you we know you exist we're prepping for <laughs> you we have an idea of what we're gonna do it might be easier to read the the stuff necessary for that because it'll be a little bit more concise and fun and narratively snappier um but we hope you will enjoy that when that happens that's something to look forward to whenever that episode comes out but until then, uh, we'll see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our time with Aquaman had come to a close. His stories had remained a consistent joy and had also begun to draw in elements of Gardner Fox-like worldbuilding, exploring Atlantis and the water sprites and introducing Mara. We said our goodbyes until the start of the next alphabetical cycle, making our way to the mountains and the challenges of the unknown.